Good evening, all Spurs people uh, with a much better feeling in our stomachs on the back of the recovery signs that we witnessed yesterday versus West Bromwich Albion. And it's my pleasure again to be part of this current latest Steve Perriman podcast. I decided not to watch the pre-match build-up. As much of it is pure nonsense as far as I'm concerned. So a waste of time and only turned on the TV about one minute before the game started. Hence, I wasn't aware that Harry was past fit to be available for selection after all our worries about how long and, of course, how damaging his latest ankle injuries would be uh, while certainly costing us. If he had, which I'm sure he did, have the same effect on his teammates as his surprise presence had on me, then we shouldn't be too surprised as to the upturn in performance and confidence amongst the whole group of players on show. We mustn't forget the precarious predicament of the opponents, West Brom, but in a way that made life even more difficult, as shown by the nil-nil scoreline at halftime. As an ex-coach, manager, whatever you call it, I am very interested in the look, the look, of the members on the bench, i.e. the substitutes, waiting but ready to be used when called upon. Their state of readiness is a sure sign to their desire or otherwise to be part of this current performance or not, and can vary from player to player as they are all different human beings and of varying levels of experience. I'd expect Gareth Bale to look different to Harry Winks, for instance, as to their level of expectancy, their disappointment by being a bench player, or their, actually their understanding of what being a substitute means. In Japan, I had one of my staff film the bench during a couple of games to show the group how different players show their willingness to me, the manager, their desire, and as I said, before their readiness to be involved or not, as the case may be. Two players in Japan at each end of the experience scale, one under 21 Japanese international player on loan from our near rivals, having just returned from the 1996 Olympics and feeling that he'd walk in towards his first team. And on the other hand, a 30-year-old, great, been a great professional with two, but both his knees shot to pieces and very nearly at the end of a long, illustrious career and really just happy to be involved. The younger one looked disinterested in this particular game, both legs out straight, feet crossed over, on the sideline and slightly slumped into his seat. Whereas the older one's eyes were looking at us, me and Ozzy, and his whole demeanor was saying, I'm ready, go on, put me on. I'll, I'll do the job for you. 
I've heard supporters use the phrase, the manager must like him as against him. Well, in reality, it's not a question of who you like, but it's a question of who you trust most to go on and do the job that you're asking. And players, I'm, well, I think they don't know this. Players give you clues every single day as to their willingness to accept your words or, or direction. So looking back on this situation in Japan, I phoned uh, one of the other ex-players of mine uh, to check where these two different characters are now. The young one is a TV commentator and I'm told that he's matured a lot and now, and he, and he thinks about the time he may have wasted in his younger days. The other one is the most successful homegrown manager in Japan, having won the first coach, as they're called there, the first coach to win the double. Why am I not surprised? So welcome Howard and Tom. Um, so Howard, you're gonna give us some of your wisdom and obviously got a positive note from uh, Spurs games against Everton in the past, especially the FA Cup. And uh, over to you, Howard, welcome. Hi, Steve. Um, I'd love to be able to do, do what you just asked, but the reality is we've made, had very few cup ties against Everton over the years. Since the war, um, we've been them, I think, only three or four times in FA Cup and League Cup, and they've not been too successful. As you mentioned, we won the Cup in 81, held it again in 82. So our defeat to Everton in 83 ended a long, long-running FA Cup result for us. In the League Cup, they've won one, we've won one, which pretty well leaves us with the biggest game between us, which was in April 19, 1995, when we met them in the semi-final to be played at Elland Road. Our family had gone skiing at that time, and for some reason, best known to someone else in the family, i.e. Viv, <laughs> if you say so, the flights meant that we wouldn't get back till the day of the match. Somehow the flights were incorrectly booked. I'm not pointing the finger of blame at anyone, but they that know Viv. who they are. And it meant we arrived back just in time to leave and drive up to Leeds for the match. Any delays on the way would have been a disaster. Our journey to the match was going well, and then we heard the team news. Everton's best player, Duncan Ferguson, who was very big and very strong, was out. So we thought we had all the advantages. It also felt that our, it was our destiny to win the cup this year, having been banned from the tournament in the famous bung scandal involving sugar and venables. As it happened, the only people who didn't turn up were our players. We were awful. This was a team spearheaded by Teddy Sheringham and Jurgen Klinsmann, two great players with very intelligent attitudes towards the game. And yet even they could not motivate our players to do any better. We lost 4-1. Just hope we can turn that over on Wednesday night. Thank you, Howard. Not so positive, eh? That was the time we were. Absolutely. Well, my, my only history, FA Cup history uh, with Everton, uh, I'm going to briefly talk about it. Um, it was an FA Cup tie in 1972. And yep. 
being more positive, we did win 2-0 at Everton with Gilly and Martin Peters um, scoring the goals. That was the end of February 1972 and the fifth round. So that gets us through to the sixth round and quarterfinal. And we were knocked out 2-1 uh, at Leeds, who were a wonderful team at the time. Um, probably deserved to beat us. And that was the day, if any of you supporters out there were, were present at that game in Leeds, it's the day when they started using the sock tags and names on the back of their tracksuits and a particular warm-up and uh, all, all instigated by Don Revy to, um, to try and sort of promote his team who he felt were not being appreciated enough and didn't get big enough crowds, bearing in mind they were top of the league most, most weeks. So I think we went a goal up, uh, John Pratt. And uh, of course, had we won that day, it would have killed all this extra stuff going on outside of the match, uh, would have killed it stone dead, but, uh, but they managed to, to beat us. In February 82, you've mentioned it, Howard, we lost 2-0 at Everton again in the fifth round. Um, Paul Miller must have been injured. I think Graham Roberts was left out. Aussie didn't play. Glenn Hoddle was sub because he was coming back from an ankle injury. Steve Archibald didn't play. And um, yeah, we... We'd gone 18 games unbeaten in the FA Cup, as you said, Howard, with winning the 81 and 82 Cup finals. So there was no lack of desire there. We, we, we knew what an FA Cup means to our crowd, to our club. And how good would that have been if we could have, you know, been part of or, or even won for the third time on the spin? That would have been some feat that... Uh, not many people would have, if anyone, had achieved. And the last one is in March the 4th, 1986. I did mention this last week within the West Bromwich Albion podcast. Uh, we lost 2-1 at home again in the fifth round. Uh, Mark Falco scored our goal. It was a, a fantastic game. Lineker was one of the goal scorers for, for Everton. And I've seen it on YouTube and the 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 goal line melee to stop us equalising right near to the end was one of the most intense sort of kicking, saving, blocking, uh, etc. To, to them to stop the ball going in and our efforts to put it in. The reason I mentioned it last week was because this happened to be my last ever game. Uh, for Tottenham Hotspurs after 17 years in the team would have been quite an emotional day, I, I believe. And, and um, But of course, I didn't know that that was going to be my last game. So um, I think it actually meant that I never really, because I left very quickly after that to Oxford, um, I never really said goodbye to the, to the White Hart Lane crowd who, who had given me so much in my career. So it would have been it would have been fitting to who knows maybe play one more game or be subbed the next game. If I knew where I was going, of course, of course, 
you know, if the manager makes you substitute for, for such a game, then of course you're going to enjoy it and be part of it and, and give your goodbyes to all these wonderful people that I've met over the years. Anyway, that wasn't to be, and therefore um, a sad way to, uh, to finish off at the club that uh, was in my heart. So um, to finish up, um, it's been Cliff Jones's birthday. I think it was yesterday. My granddaughter, another granddaughter, Elena, her birthday today, her eighth one. And um, I happened to hear on television uh, the other day within the commentary, and so there's something decent comes out of it, that Hoiberg could have joined Everton instead of us. So I hope at the end of this game that uh, Hoiberg thinks and believes that he's, <laughs> he's joined the correct club. Um, not sure this has been mentioned before, but the, the Everton club have been nicknamed the Toffee Men. I'm not even sure if that's still the case. But in all my time of playing against Everton, we were given a, a packet of toffee each to go home with. And um, I'm not sure many people ate toffees, but, but at least we were given them. Um, I wonder if Zed Cars is still played as music that you run out to. Um, have, they, have they retained that with regard to their history? And actually, they've, while I've been playing, I, I think Everton have been really good opponents in my 17 odd seasons of play. They won two titles during my career. Two really good teams were built there. And the first time I went there, um, imagine me in midfield, a young Perryman, sort of an upstart. But the other five players, because we both played 4-3-3, the other five players in midfield where I was, was Peters and Mullery for us, Ball, Kendall and Harvey. So two World Cup winners. The other three were fantastic professionals. And there am I trying to hold my own in this sort of company. So, uh, you know, even the other league title team, Peter Reed, uh, Sheedy was a, was a terrific player. What a left foot he had. Trevor Stephen, uh, another one. So I've I've always thought that Everton have tried to play football in a similar manner to uh, to Tottenham Hotspur, and uh, that the, there can't be any any criticism of that. Just one small story, um, but I'm not even sure of my facts. But I know somebody contacted me. A couple of years ago, if anyone can shed more light on this story, please do. But when we went those 18 games unbeaten in the cup and then went to Everton and lost 2-0 that I've just described, as ever, we called into a service station, probably halfway home uh, to North London. And two chaps made it known to us. Now, the reason why they were in trouble was and they'd been supporters to the game. They either missed the bus home, the coach home, supporters coach. They'd missed it. Or 
they they weren't involved with the with the coach. They they'd just broken down and needed a lift back to um, to London. And um, must have been Keith in charge of the team. He um, he allowed them on the bus, and I thought that says a lot about uh, our club, our manager that was prepared to help um, help supporters out in need. And, um, you know, even on a day where we was all disappointed and down with the defeat, et cetera, but uh, it proves that, uh, of course, there, there's some heart. And there, and there was a, a strong link, actually, between that team and the supporters that uh, I hope, I, I doubt, but I hope still still happens today. I was talking about it on a Zoom meeting earlier on and and um, we were talking about the availability of the players in that era to the supporters with Chesant, you know, the gates being open to Chesant, no one stopped from going in, no one needed a pass. As long as you went in there and you just wanted to watch and be respectful and of course wait your turn if you wanted autographs at the end, um, but uh, I, I think that made for, I think that added to the club's image and, and put you on a similar level to the supporters who were paying good money to support you. So um, that's enough from me today. Thank you for listening again. Uh, good luck to our team, um, you know, with our rich history in the FA Cup, which can also always be added to. Why not? And... Um, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got to Wembley twice again, as we did in 1982? And um, let's see if we can actually go and do that. So thank you, Howard, Pleasure. for your not so positive talk and a little bit of criticism of Viv there. And, uh, and you, Tom, thanks for your work behind the scenes. And um, so come on, you Spurs, and let's, uh, let's step forward positively into this FA Cup encounter. Speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Up the Spurs. Mm -hmm.